0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. I feel the anointing right now. I'm gonna pray before we jump in. And one of the things I'm gonna pray tonight is. Is that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation uh, as we get ready to get into the Word and show us things that we've never seen before, by the mighty Holy Spirit, who who the Bible says teaches us all things. And I love the Word of God as I know you do. And uh, as we open it tonight, I'm going to pray over you what Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, and uh, that you'd see things that you've never seen. That's called a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so I want you to pray, Father, in Jesus' name, as we get ready to open this word, we thank you, Lord, that you're opening our eyes in the spirit, giving us that spirit of wisdom and revelation, a spirit of understanding. You said in your word in the book of James that if any of us lacked wisdom, we could just simply ask you and that you would give to every person liberally and not rebuke us for asking. So tonight, impart wisdom to every person watching, including myself, give us supernatural wisdom, from your spirit. We thank you for it. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, shout aloud, amen, as you're turning with me to 1 Timothy chapter six. All this week, we are dealing with keys to never-ending victory. And there's some people, you know, that they don't even believe that you can live in never-ending victory. There's some people that believe you have to go through ups and downs and that that's God's plan for your life. Tonight's broadcast brought to you by water. Just straight up water. There's a lot of people that they believe that ups and downs is God's plan for you. You know, I think I'm sure I should take a time to really go through and explain at some point on the broadcast Uh, The difference between persecution for serving the Lord and actual attacks of the devil, because any time you start talking about this, there's always somebody that jumps up in the comments section and starts talking about, well, look at all that Paul went through, look at all that Peter went through, and they they start pointing at the persecution that they suffered for being apostles of the Lamb. Uh, Of course, uh, Peter was an apostle of the Lamb. Uh, Paul said, I was born like a man out of time. And so he didn't travel with Jesus, but Jesus met with him supernaturally. And Paul was an apostle, wrote half of the New Testament. If you consider the books, two thirds, if you consider their actual writing length. I mean, think about it. And they went through persecution after persecution. That was not sickness and disease. It was not poverty and lack. It was not them going through sin after sin. It wasn't them going through deep depression and having to be on medication for their mind. That's not what the Bible's teaching. But people point at them and the things that they said in their letters and act like they were going through all all those things like God was putting it on their life. That's not what God does. God doesn't do that. God's not the author of evil, He doesn't destroy His children. I've taught it many times on the broadcast. God's not a child abuser. If God was a human being, CPS would not come take his children away from him. That's not the God we serve. Jesus took time in Matthew chapter 7 to actually explain. He actually took time to explain the nature and the character of God. That God's a loving heavenly father. Gives good gifts to those that ask him. And then he compares God's love and his nature and character to earthly fathers who love their children. And ask them a question. If your children asked you for a loaf of bread, would you give them a stone? If they asked you for a fish, would you give them a serpent? And he said, you being imperfect or earthly fathers, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those that ask him? And so Jesus made a point to describe the goodness of God and his character and nature as a father. And so if you believe, it blows my mind that people can believe That God is a child abuser because it's really what you have to believe you have to believe if uh, if that's your line of thinking that God puts these evil things up on his children for any reason to teach them a lesson to make them a stronger believer in him or for them to more fully lean upon him if that's what you believe God does then you've got to believe that he's a child abuser and so it's a jacked up doctrine. <laughs> That's that'd be a great hashtag for the comments. Hashtag ja- jacked up doctrine, because this is what people have. They have this belief system that God takes them through trouble after trouble after trouble to teach them lessons, or it's like a learning curve for Christianity, and it's not scriptural. God does not do that. Can you imagine? Hey, brother Daryl, can you imagine how um, how much of a lack of integrity? God would have if he put the sins of the world on Jesus, put sickness upon Christ and uh, the poverty of the world. He did up, did all these things and put him through this week of passion that we just came through. And then after Jesus destroyed sin and destroyed sickness and destroyed poverty, he then took those same things that Jesus shed his blood for and put them back on his children again, even though he just redeemed them from those things. Hashtag jacked up doctrine. Jacked up doctrine is what we have. And that is that is not what the Bible teaches. However, it's what many people believe because they've had poor teaching. And so that's why I want to take this week and really focus on the fact that you can have never-ending victory. Never-ending victory. And that's the key. And I'm giving you keys every night on how to walk in never-ending victory. If you were with me last night, you need to go back and, if you weren't, you need to go back and watch. And we're putting all these sessions in a playlist on YouTube for you guys, as well as uploading them to the podcast so that you can go back and re-listen or binge listen through them. But one of the things we dealt with last night is that people who have never-ending victory, they can see the end from the beginning. What you see is what you'll be. What you can see in the word of God is what you'll be. And you, if you can see the end from the beginning it's a key to never ending victory tonight i want to talk about something that's found in first timothy chapter 6 and this is paul's uh, letter to his son in the gospel and i want you to see what he's teaching in here very important scripture he says this look at this first timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 the bible says fight the good fight of faith and Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So let me stop there and say it again. He said and commanded him, by the way, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. So one of the keys of never-ending victory I can see that struck a chord with people. So if that's something you want to pop in your notes, pop it in your notes. What I see is what I'll be. What I see is what I'll be. I take that from scripture. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 23, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. You will become the reality of what you believe you are. What I see, I will be. If I see myself as a loser, as I, if I see myself as a failure, if I see myself as broken, as a, if I see myself as worthless, I will act that way and I'll let people treat me like that and I'll let people talk to me like that and that's what I'll expect to come to me. It will be my expectation. It's what I'll set my faith for and it's what I will have. What what I see is what I'll be. If I see myself as victorious because of the promises in the word of God, if I see myself as an overcomer, if I see myself as strong in the Lord, if I see myself as healed, if I see, so that if, if that's how I see it and that's my expectation, anything that comes to contradict that expectation, I will fight against. You understand? Whereas if other people, they feel that's supposed to be their portion, what will they do? They accept it when it comes. See, that's the demonic. Hear me. It's not just, well, you know, some people believe that and other other people and preachers believe this. No, it's not about that. It's about the fact that if you allow that to become what you are believing for, if you let it become your expectation, then when the wrong thing comes... You will not fight back against it. Do you ever, I mean, think about it in that way. You will just, you'll just assume, well, this is God's plan for me. I should just lay back and take this. And it's really an attack of the devil. And you sit back and say, well, you know, it's God. He's just pruning me right now. No. And so it's the reaction that's the problem. It's the reaction. Because if you've got a wrong thinking or belief system about who you are in Christ, then when something comes that's contradicting what Jesus paid for, then you just sit back and say, well, it's just God pruning me. He's teaching me to be a stronger believer. He's teaching me to rely on him. I mean, we've had people come through the prayer line, and that's what their prayer is. Not to ask God to heal me. Not not ask God to set me free. Not ask God to deliver me. You know what their prayer is? Ask God to give me the strength to bear it, Brother Ted. That's what they actually pray. And I'm not mocking them because that's what they've been taught from uh, spiritual leaders who have no understanding of the scripture. They have no understanding whatsoever if that's what their people believe. And so now they're in a place of danger because they have shepherds who have not shepherded them properly. And so they come through a prayer line or ask for prayer. Just pray, Brother Ted, that God will just teach me something through all this. Give me the strength to bear it. What a sad place to be. To have attacks of the devil coming against your life and you've been tricked into believing that it's God doing it. And as a result, not only have you been tricked into believing it's God doing it, but now you have to sit back and just take it because now you think, well, it's from heaven. It must be for me, and it's not from heaven, and it's not God doing it, and it's a wrong way of thinking, and if you have a wrong way of thinking, then what you see is what you'll be. I'll never reject things that I think are for me. I will never reject things that I think are for me. I'll accept them. If I think it's for me, if I think it's what I should have, then I will accept it. That's why it's important. I'm not preaching on this tonight, but it's important to mention it here. Uh, Even something like a poverty mindset, a poverty mindset, it will keep you in a place of poverty because you believe a poverty mindset believes that's too nice. I shouldn't have that. Oh, that's too expensive. I shouldn't own that. That's a poverty mindset. It truly is. My cousin and I have talked about it many times on the phone. And as we were uh, starting in ministry, even till now, we, we've experienced people that have a poverty mindset where, you know, you'll talk to them about even eating at a restaurant and they'll say, oh man, I don't, how that, that's an expensive place to eat. We don't go there, man. That, that place is expensive. And then if you were to ask them, well, how much does it cost to eat there? Well, I don't know. We've never gone in, but I'll tell you what, it's expensive. They don't even know. They've just allowed a poverty mindset to keep them in a place where they don't experience something that may be good because they've tricked themselves into believing they aren't worthy of being in that place. It's too good for them. Poverty mindset. It's what they believe and so it's what they experience. You will be what you see. You will be what you see. What I see is what I'll be. If I expect myself to be poor, then if anything happens, that keeps me in that place, I'll say, yep, that's exactly right. That's who I am. I'm poor. Nothing ever goes right for me. Nothing ever goes right for me. Oh, pff, let me tell you what, doesn't surprise me a bit that it didn't work out. If we didn't have bad luck, we'd have no luck at all. That's how people talk. And it's a mindset. And it keeps them in that lifestyle because they never take actions to leave or do something else because they don't believe it's for them. Oh, it's not for me, brother. In our family, nobody's ever had that. Nobody's ever had that. Oh, no, we've, none of us has ever gone to college. None of us has We've always had to go paycheck to paycheck. We've always had debt. Our family's always had that. We've always, we've always... And that's, their, that's the way they talk. And so it's what they expect. They never expect to rise higher. They never expect to break out. They never expect to experience the promises of God because we've always, we've always... What if God wants to do something different than what's always gone on before? What if the people in your family before you have rejected the instructions of God and have rejected the word of God and have not followed the commands of God and as a result, they've lived in that place but that's not for you and that was never God's desire for your family but because of an expectation, you see it, it's because of an expectation, it continues to be that way. It continues. If I just expect things to be in a a destructive pattern, that's what they'll be. You can have what you say. You can have what you say. And so you have to understand there is a mindset that has to be broken. It's like when you read the Bible, right? God's people were in slavery for however long. Think about it. Think about how long the children of Israel were in slavery in Egypt. And when God was getting ready to bring them out, what did he tell them to do? He said, go and borrow of your neighbor gold and silver. Go and borrow from your neighbor gold and silver. Do you think God had a plan to pay the Egyptians back the gold and silver that they were taking from them? I mean, you know what it was it was reparations for all of the years they'd been enslaved and the way they'd been treated as God's people in slavery. That wasn't them stealing. They were taking what was rightfully theirs. But do you honestly think that God had a plan to pay the Egyptians back for the gold and the silver and the treasure that the Israelites took from them? Of course he didn't. He was. Ta- they left Egypt with it. They crossed the Red Sea with it. They went through the wilderness with it. They carried it into the promised land. He had no plan to pay that back to the Egyptians. So, why did he say, "Go and borrow of your neighbor?" because he understood think about this God understood my people have been in bondage for so long that if I actually told them to go and take the wealth of their neighbors that with that poverty and slavery mindset, they'd say, "Well no I well we couldn't do that I mean that's not for us, we're slaves we don't need gold or silver we you know." That's, that's how people are. If you don't snap somebody out of the expectation and belief uh, of something that they aren't, that the devil says they are, you understand? So he couldn't. God couldn't have said to us, just go and take all their gold and silver and plunder them. No, go borrow of your neighbor. Why am I borrowing? Why am I borrowing? Well, in their mindset, it was the only way he was going to get them to move could, because the slavery mindset had not been broken. And that's what happens is there's problems when you have an expectation of evil. And so you've got to learn. And tonight, this, this session tonight is what I'm talking about. Part two is that not only do you, like I preached last night, that those that are victorious constantly see the end from the beginning, but number two, they were ready and are always ready to fight. Always ready to fight. Part of a never broken mindset. Part of an always victorious. Mindset is this willingness to always be ready to fight. Always be ready to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Faith is not a gentle substance. Faith is a fight. I want you to put that in the comments. Faith is not a gentle substance. Faith is not a gentle substance. Faith is a fight. Hallelujah. It's a fight. You've got to be willing to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. There are things, recognize this with me, if you will, that God gave them the promised land. It was already theirs, already theirs. But when they got there, who was in their promised land? Giants. Giants were there. But wasn't it theirs? Yes. Of course it was theirs. God had already given it to them. That's right. Faith is not a gentle substance. Put it in the comments. Faith is not a gentle substance. That's right. It's a fight. It's a fight. It's an action of being ready to fight for what God said is yours. When they arrived in Canaan, there were giants living in their land. Can I submit a thought to you tonight? There are giants in every person's promised land. Do you think the devil wants you to be saved? I mean, answer that question. Do you think the devil wants you to continue on in salvation until you die or until Jesus comes? Or would the devil have you forfeit that salvation and walk back into a life of sin? Of course, that's what he wants. He wants to steal and kill and destroy. That's what the devil wants. He doesn't want you living live in a life of salvation. He wants to drag you back into the kingdom of darkness. Do you think the devil wants you living healed and free from sickness and disease? Do you think that's what the devil wants? Of course not. He wants you sick. He wants you diseased. He wants you depressed. He wants you anxious, full of fear. Do you think the devil wants you to be in prosperity? You think he wants you to overcome financially? Of course not. He wants you to be in poverty and in lack. And until you die or until Jesus comes, there will be an enemy of your soul who wants to fight back against God's people. There are giants in every man or woman's promised land. There is something that the enemy will always try to do to pull you back into sin, to pull you back into unrighteousness, to trip you up and get you to be displeasing to God, to put, try to attack you with sickness or disease, try to come against your mind with depression and anxiety, try to attack your finances and trick you into being a person who refuses to tithe and give and be generous as the Bible says, and what he's doing is trying to encroach upon your covenant, but you've got to be big enough to fight. When the enemy comes against you, you have to be big enough to fight and the fight of faith is what ensures you will win. As my father always has preached, this is how my father has said it, the fight of faith, it's the fight the devil can, the devil never can win and it's the fight that you can never lose. It's the fight the devil can never win, and it's the fight that you can never lose. It's the fight of faith. And when you fight, you are ready to win. I'll say it like Bishop Oyedepo said it. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. If you don't fight, you're not qualified to win. And that's why Paul encouraged Timothy to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Somebody that's going to walk from victory unto victory unto victory unto victory are those that are going to be willing to go from fight to fight to fight to fight. You've got to be ready to fight if you want to win. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. And that'd be something to write down. That's something when Bishop Roy Depo taught that, I'll never forget it. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. Only fighters. One of the tricks the devil will have to have you running around as a judge of someone else's fight. The devil would love to turn your fight into a referee. You know, instead of you being a fighter, he'll, he'll flip you until you're a referee where you run around judging everybody else's fight. But remember this. It's just like if you watch a soccer match or if you watch a football game. There are referees on the field that have to run up and down the field. They've got to run, especially when you watch a soccer match. Those referees have to run up and down that field and be just as in shape as the soccer players. They're running for the full 90 minutes plus stoppage time. Up and down the field, they're running. And notice this. When the match comes to an end, there's never a time, not one match, Does the referee ever get pronounced the winner? Because referees are not in the game. They're just judging the game. And that's what the devil wants, to turn you from a fighter into a referee and judge the way someone else is living and judge the way that somebody else is fighting their fight and be critical of somebody else's race. And that's not your call. Your call is to stay in your own lane and fight your own fight and lay hold of eternal life. I refused to get to the end and realize I wasn't even fighting. I was just judging everybody else's fight. You can't win judging somebody else's fight. And Paul said, keep your eyes on the prize. And he said, I love that he said this to the Corinthian church. He said, run your race that you may obtain the prize. We are running to obtain the prize. That's our, that's our goal. We're running to obtain a prize. We're fighting to win. We're, listen, and I love how our, our pastor says it, Bishop Rick Thomas. He, he says, we're not fighting for the victory. We're fighting from the victory. You know that. We're not fighting for the victory. Jesus already did that. I love what Paul, uh, Paul said to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ already won the victory. We're not fighting for it, we're fighting from it. Why? Because even though we're victorious eternally, the devil will still try to come and win battles even though the war has already been won. Isn't that crazy? The devil will still come and try to win battles even though the war is already won. So you can't stop fighting just because the war is won, because battles are still being fought. I think about um, times where, um, you know, even before communication was as prevalent as it is today. You think about times like the Revolutionary War, or you think about the Civil War. Obviously, there was more technology by the time of the Civil War. They had telegrams and other things like that. But you think about the Revolutionary War. Uh, you think about wars in between that, and it's, it's interesting how uh, the war itself by the governments could have been ended and called off, but because the actual news had not reached certain battalions of soldiers, they continued to fight and die, even though the actual war was already over. Battles still being fought, even though the war was already over, they were still fighting. And so people were still losing their life. The devil's like that. It's almost like nobody told him that the war was over. And he continues to war and battle against the people of God so that he can try to steal or kill or destroy somewhere along the line. We've got to be big enough to realize there are giants in every man's promised land. And we are anointed to destroy giants. We are anointed to destroy giants. One of the chapters in the book that just went out further faster is a chapter called Giants for Dinner. I love that chapter. Giants for Dinner. Because one of the things we recognize is from the book of Numbers chapter 13, uh, that when they went into the promised land, 12 spies spied out Canaan. And when they came back, 10 of them said, there's no way that we could ever, ever take the land. There's giants living there. And we're like grasshoppers in their sight. But Joshua and Caleb had a different report. They said, no, we're well able to take the land. And when they referred to the giants, you know what they said? They are like bread to us. They are like bread to us. I love that verse. Look it up for yourself. They are like bread to us. You know what that means? We will eat them up. We'll eat them up. They don't have the resources to stop us. Giants for dinner. They are like bread to us. There's no giant that stands in front of you or stands in front of me that has the resources to stop us or to tell us no. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) I feel the anointing on that. No giant has the ability to stop us. None. We are anointed to eat them up. They are like bread to us. That's what they said. They are like bread to us. And so giants for dinner. I love it. You look at David showed up on the battlefield and you do, your, you do the study for yourself. You, you can read through the scripture, 1 Samuel 16, 17, 18, wherever you want to go. God never one time, never one time told David to fight Goliath. Never. It wasn't an instruction from God. God just uh, knew David's heart and an instruction from David's father brought him to the battlefield for a different purpose. And David got there and heard the words of Goliath and it offended his spirit. And he said, what's to be done for the man that kills this giant? He's already looking to get a prize. He's got his eyes on the prize. And see, here's the thing. When Saul, the king, finally called him to his tent, he said, listen, he said, you're, uh, you're not ready. You, you're, just a little, you're just a little shepherd boy. This guy is a battle-hardened giant. He's won victory after victory, killed many men. You're not ready to face him. This is where David has to start reading his list of victories to Saul. He said, I don't know if you realize who you're talking to, but uh, I have actually killed a lion when it came in the sheepfold, bare hands. Killed a bear when it came in the sheepfold bare hands. And in the same way that God delivered them into my hands, he will deliver this giant into my hands. Now, something had changed between the lions and the bears. If you don't know, he did that before he got anointed. And then Samuel, the prophet showed up at his house and an anointing came upon David to be the next king. And Saul took, Samuel took the oil out and poured it over David's head. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, I believe it's verse 23, uh, no, verse 13. And from that day forward, the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David, came mightily upon David. He just leveled up. David just went to another level. He fought those battles at a previous level, lions and bears. And then he leveled up. Hallelujah. He leveled up. And as he leveled up, the Bible says he was now ready to transition from lions and bears into giants. And by the way, it was not his last transition because this was just a giant. But the Bible tells us that after uh, this took place, God attached mighty men to David. They were his mighty men. They did exploits. And do you know if you study their story, David and his mighty men went throughout that region and killed every last giant that was on the face of the earth. He didn't just kill Goliath, killed every last giant that was on the earth and then began to subdue nations. So you understand David continued to level up, continued to level up by faith and he was ready to fight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was ready to fight. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Now, let me take you back to Proverbs chapter 24. I want you to see this. David was, I'm telling you, David was a serious dude. You didn't mess with David. Here's a guy that in one moment could be playing a harp and writing you a love song and the next minute cutting your head off. If you look at David and think he was some kind of a a soft a uh, little prissy, you know, artsy dude sitting out there with a pair of Toms on, a little Afro pick and a little man bag in the wilderness writing in a little moleskin journal. You don't know who David was. David was a man of war. David was a man, although he had that ability to be sensitive to the spirit of God, wrote all those Psalms, had the ability to hear the heart of God. Yes, he did, but he was a man of war. He was a killer. David was a killer. He was a fighter. And I'm going to tell you something. He was such a fighter, such a fighter, that by the end of his life, any you think, in those days, in those days that he fought so often and in so many battles and in so many wars, you'd have thought David would have died in battle. David did not die in battle. You know how David died? Of old age. Think about that died of old age. But something happened in between when David died and when he was getting ready to transition. I'm going to show you in a minute. But look at Proverbs 24 and listen to what the Bible says. It says, If you faint in the day of adversity, that's the day when you're fighting. That's the day when you're in a battle. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. One translation says your strength is too small. So that means that you can fight and lose battles or you can fight and win battles. Remember this, you can fight and lose battles or you can fight and win battles. And I want you to write this in the comments because this is is really the crux of tonight's message. You can fight and win or you can fight and lose. And so I want you to write it in the comments, my strength must grow. There's no question about it. My strength must grow. I've got to level up. I've got to go to another level. If I face battles that I'm not ready to face I can lose. It's possible to be a follower of God and still lose battles even though you've won the war. And so it takes supernatural strength to win. That seems very simple, doesn't it? Seems so elementary. It takes supernatural strength to win. Absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. If all that it took (laughs) that's right. If all that it took for you to win every battle was for you to be a Christian, then there would be no Christians losing battles. Just keep that in mind. If, if all if the only prerequisite for victory in every area was being a Christian, there would be no Christians losing battles. None you would just automatically, in every area of your life, you would have victories. And that's not the case. It is not the case. There are people losing battles. And of course, the Bible tells us in Proverbs that if you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. So Paul understood this same concept. And so when speaking to the church in Ephesus, what did he tell them to do? What was Paul's instruction for the church in Ephesus. Look at Ephesians chapter six and verse 10. This is what Paul said. And this, by the way, was a command. This was a command. Look what he said. Finally, and he finishes his letter this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You could maybe think back to Zechariah where the Bible says it's not by power nor by might, but it's by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. It's not by power, talking about natural power. It's not by might, that's natural might, but it's by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. You could think back on that scripture in Zechariah. Well, Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Well, you don't have to say that to somebody if strength is automatic I don't ever have to command somebody to do something that's automatically done. Nobody has to command me to be a biological male. I'm already a biological male. You don't have to command me to be one. I am one. That's all there is to it. It's, It's automatic. It's how I was born. You don't have to say, be a man, be a man. I am one, whether you command me to be or not. It's automatic. It's automatic. And so you don't have to command somebody to do something You know, nobody has to come up to me and say, be a Caucasian. (laughs) I don't even know what that word means, but you know, no one has to say it to me. It's what I am. It's what I was born. You don't have to command it of me. Nobody has to hold a gun to my head and say that you understand it's automatic. But if something's not automatic, then it has to be commanded or at least suggested because now it's a choice. And Paul had to say it to the church in Ephesus. He had to say, be strong. You know why he had to command them to be strong? Because it was possible for them to be weak. And so he said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's because he didn't want to see them weak. He didn't want to see them lose battles. He didn't want to see them fail or faint in the day of adversity. So he commanded them, be strong. People are making me laugh. Be a Caucasian. Be a Caucasian. Or if you want to get even more politically correct, be an Anglo-American, whatever that is. Be an Anglo-American. I'm just talking like this because the census is going out, everybody. Um, but notice what he said. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. So now he's telling you how to be strong in the Lord. By putting on the whole armor of God. What are you putting on? Well, you're putting on the breastplate of righteousness. So righteousness is one of the things you have to put on. Put on the helmet of salvation. It's the same thing, isn't it? Salvation, righteousness. Put on the belt of truth. Truth is God's word. The shield of faith, faith which comes through God's word. The shoes, the preparation of the gospel of peace comes through God's word. You'll notice if you study the armor of God, by the way, all of the pieces are only made up of two elements, righteousness and the word of God, righteousness and the word of God. And then finally, I love this one. If you come down here with me, verse 17, it says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take the sword of the spirit. I I put this uh, in the broadcast this morning. If you missed it, you got to check this out. But this morning I talked about the fact that if all God wanted us to do was be protected from the attacks of the enemy, if the only thing God wanted was for us to be protected from the enemy's attacks, he would have only given us armor and a shield. That's it. Armor and a shield. But that's not all God gave us, is it? He gave us a sword. And you don't need a sword if you're not going to fight. You don't need a sword, hallelujah, if you're not going to fight. A sword is only for a warrior. A sword is only for somebody that's going to win the victory. And God looked at you and gave you the sword of the Spirit. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, the Bible says. They're not carnal. We don't you can't use a gun to take out the devil. You can't use a machete to take out demon spirits. It's like I was, I was in one time I was in a service with somebody, and they said, find somebody next to you and just begin to pray. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling this. It said, find somebody next to you and just begin to pray for that person, find out what they need, and just begin to pray for them. And uh, ask God to touch them. So I'm praying for my, the person I was praying for, they got their miracle. Everybody's getting their miracle all around the church. And then the, 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 the last, one of the last ones, this lady standing in front of me and she's praying for this person and she's trying to explain to her why she's battling what she's battling. And she goes, I want you to know that the reason you're going through this is because you're filled with the demon legion. That's what she she told the person that. And uh, she said, and I'll never forget this because it's going to stick with me (laughs) for the rest of my life. She said, and there's an angel who's standing next to you right now with a flaming sword who's a specialist at cutting out legion. (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, I thought we cast out devils, but apparently there are specialist angels in heaven who carry flaming swords and cut them. They cut demons out of people. I'm still waiting to find that verse in the Bible. She said, he's a specialist at cutting out legion, not cutting out demons, specifically cutting out legion and so I'm sitting there like oh Lord. and the lady the, the lady that she's praying for is like oh, oh, oh it's like dude help the poor lady out you just told her she's filled with a legion of demons <laughs> there's a demon and so this lady's like freaking out oh my god <laughs> I bet when you woke up this morning, you didn't plan to have someone tell you that you were filled with a legion of demons, but that's where we've come today. (laughs) And she was like, and the angel's going to cut the demon out. And the lady's freaking out like, what in the world's going to feel like? So I told my cousin later, I said, uh, I called Jonathan. I said, Jonathan, I found out. No, it's not a deliverance ministry. I I called my cousin. I said, I found out what I'm going to say the next time I'm praying for somebody. I'm going to say, now, listen, you're filled with, (laughs) there's a, there's the demon legion in you, but don't worry because right next to you is an angel holding a flaming sword and ready to cut it out of you, but stand very still. Because it's his first time ever trying it. <laughs> oh, man. There's just, I'm just telling you, not everything you expect to see in church, you end up seeing stuff you never expected to see. <laughs> I was under the impression we cast out devils. theres I've never read about an angel that has to cut them out with a sword, but understand the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds so they're spiritual weapons they're not natural weapons i can't carry a can you imagine if i came into my service with a sword on my belt that actually happened in our church one time that actually happened in our church we had we we had a guy come to preach at our church when i was in west virginia who showed up, I think he was he thought he was a prophet or something, showed up with an actual sword. And he was whipping that sword around, he was preaching with it. People were like holding, like backing up slowly from their view as he's like whipping the sword around as he's preaching. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You can't shoot a demon, you can't cut one with a machete. There, it has to be spiritual. And the sword of the spirit is not a sword. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. So remember this. Number one, the word can build your faith so that you cannot be in a position where your faith or your strength is too small to win. You can build your faith and build your strength on the mighty word of God. Do you know what Paul said regarding the word? Paul said Uh, In the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, he said, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you your inheritance amongst all those that are sanctified. Acts 20, 32. He's able to, what is the word able to do? Build you up and give you an inheritance. So I want you to understand one of the ways, one of the main ways to build your strength is by having a steady stream and ingesting the mighty word of God and then releasing the word of God, not just having it come into you, but having it come out of you, coming in and going out of you. It has to be a steady flow. The word continues to come into me but also the word has to go out of me. Notice that you can actually build your own faith by just reading the word of God aloud. You don't have to have somebody to preach to you. You should, the Bible teaches you should, but it's not a necessity to build your faith. You don't have to wait from Sunday to Sunday. You know, of course, I know we're doing these broadcasts twice a day, but in between, you can open up your own Bible and read the word out loud. And as you read the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can go and download the free YouVersion Bible app on your phone or tablet. Open any passage you want and hit play and some, you know, automated dude will read it to you. He'll just start reading it to you. Somebody recorded it for you so you didn't have to read it to yourself. And build your own faith. (laughs) Jessica. Jessica said, I almost got hit in the head with a wooden sword. The lady was warring in the spirit. Oh, trust me, there's been a lot of those. And so you can build your faith. Not only can you build your faith, you can build your strength. It's able to build you up. How, how, what's another way you can do it? Well, look at Jude verse 20. There's only one chapter, but verse 20. Look at this. The Bible says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most Holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So one of the ways you can build yourself up is by praying in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. I I, I try to explain it to people like this. In the same way you'd never show up to a sporting event where you're playing, whether it be a basketball game, football game, track meet, whatever, you would never just show up in your street clothes without stretching and warming up and then just get onto the field or get onto the court or get out onto the track and say, all right, let's do this. No, anybody that wants to use their muscles knows it's a necessity, especially the older you get, to stretch those muscles out and prepare them for action. In the same way, your faith can be warmed up and be made ready for action by praying in the Holy Ghost. And I'm talking about Praying in tongues. I'm talking about praying in other tongues as an evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the Bible teaches throughout the book of Acts. Praying in the Holy Ghost. In fact, when Paul said pray in the Holy Ghost, that was his actual context. He said, I will pray in the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 14, and I'll pray with my understanding. I'll sing in the Spirit and I'll sing with my understanding. It's both. It's absolutely both. That's a good question. Uh, Jacob said, how do we pray in the spirit? That's exactly how you do it. You pray as you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you pray in that heavenly language. And the Bible teaches us that one of the things that happens when we pray in the Holy Ghost is that according to Jude 12 or Jude 20, we build up our most holy faith, getting it ready for action. But if you study first Corinthians, what does the Bible say? In 1 Corinthians, the Bible says this, chapter 14 and verse 2, it says, the one who speaks in tongues does not speak unto men, but unto God, look at this, and no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the spirit, verse 4, and the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. So it's a personal edification, personal edification. Jacob said, my dad told me not to pray for the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire a lot. And it's something we wait upon the Lord. So I have to wait for God to do it. But in fact, if you study Jacob through the book of Acts, other than the day of Pentecost, nobody waited for it. The Bible says that in Acts chapter eight, Peter and John laid their hands on the new believers. They were filled. Um, Those in Acts chapter 10 received it while Peter was preaching In Acts chapter 19, Paul laid his hands on those 12 men and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. So it seems the pattern is that you're to search out the baptism of the Holy Spirit or engage with a man of God who has the ability to impart it, which all men of God that are filled with the Holy Ghost do. So have your pastor lay hands on you or somebody that maybe if you're at a revival, say, hey, I want you to lay hands on me and believe God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because it's something for every believer to receive. It's not just for some, it's for all. It's for all, no question about it. And so one of the, yes, tongues are the evidence, initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you study through the book of Acts, it's the thing that happened when people were filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, and in eight, we can see that it was inferred because there was an outward sign that Simon the sorcerer saw, knowing that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. It's the thing that took place. So, and, and, and Paul in Acts chapter nine was filled with the Holy Ghost. And what did he say to the Corinthians? I pray in tongues more than all of you do. And so it's something for every believer. So if you, if you pray in the Holy Ghost, it's one way to stir up your strength and build up your faith. You edify yourself. That means you encourage yourself. You strengthen yourself. And you build up your most most holy faith, which means you're getting your faith ready for action. Remember this. It doesn't give you more faith. It actually strengthens the faith that you already have. Very important that you catch that. And then also with the word of God, making sure that you're ingesting the word every single day. And I announced it today on the broadcast, I don't know if you guys were with me, uh, but we talked about the fact that in May, we're going to be going through the entire New Testament in the month of May. And every day, and of course we'll prepare that reading plan for you, but every day we're going to give you a section of scripture to read that will take you through, and it's, it's not hard to do, but think about that, that every month you could read the Word of God and have the New Testament Ingested into your spirit every single month. Imagine how your spiritual life would skyrocket if you ate that much word on a daily basis. And that's what Jeremiah said. He said, I found your word, Lord, and I ate it. I ate it. Your spirit ingests it, your spirit eats it. It is food for your spirit. It is food. It's exactly right. Daphne's making the point here. You don't eat once a week. Absolutely not. You don't. You don't eat once a week. You eat every day, multiple times a day. And you should feed your spirit, man, every day, multiple times a day. I know you're feeding it on this broadcast. You should be reading the word outside of this broadcast. There's two times right there that you're feeding. And we do two broadcasts a day. So if you just did two broadcasts with us and then did reading the word of God on your own, that's three meals for your spirit every single day. Imagine how your spirit is increasing. Imagine how your faith is increasing. Imagine how your strength is increasing. And it is. You're going higher than you've ever been before. Let me tell you something. May is going to be a miracle month for us. In Jesus' name. May, God's going to blow our minds in the month of May. Violent increase. Expedited favor. We're expecting and believing and confessing never-ending victory in Jesus' name. Never-ending. Ending victory. Hallelujah. And that's going to be our story. That's going to be our story in the mighty name of Jesus. We will not miss out on what God has planned for us. I'm telling you, we're going to see victories and testimonies like we have never seen in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, get your faith ready. We are going to see victories and testimonies like we've never seen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aristotle has a phenomenal question. How do I balance reading the Word of God and anointed books? You should do both without question. No question about it. Because books give us things that men of God have received from the Holy Spirit after years and years of faithfulness and sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. Years of study. Years of preparation. So it gives us insight on things we may have never thought of or seen on our own because we haven't spent the same amount of time with the Holy Spirit that those men have and those women have. So it's important to read those books. But first priority is the Word of God. And so I would say create a reading plan for yourself. And like we're going to do in May, you know, it only takes nine chapters a day to read the New Testament in a month. Nine, that's nothing. That's less time than it takes to watch a Netflix episode of a show. That's 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 almost nothing. So we'll read nine chapters a day, and then after you've re- after you've completed your nine chapters and they're in the books, and you're and you're uh, you you've done that first, then set a reading goal for yourself. Find a book that you want to read in that month or two books in that month, and actually go through them. Schedule it out. But make sure you do your Bible reading first and then begin to ingest that content from other men and women of God. God will bless you for it and your faith will grow. See, your faith will continue to grow. You'll see things you've never seen. I love that. I saw Joseph Arnold. Nothing missing in May. I believe it. Nothing missing in May. Never ending victory. No question about it. There's my friend, Pastor Brian Wright. I love you. And so that's exactly it. Thank you very much, Anne. That's the key. And so there's going, we're going to see a harvest. I agree with Daphne. We're going to see a harvest like we've never seen. We're going to see blessings like we've never seen. We're going to see increase like we've never seen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, get your faith ready. Because we're going higher in the same way David increased in the same way. And I'm going to show you one more thing before I pray in the same way David increased in the same way other men of God continue to go higher. We're going higher because this word gives us access to the source of increase. That's what's important. Who is the source of increase? God himself. The Bible says that it's his hand that lifts one up and puts another down. The Bible says that promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south. It comes from the Lord. And he alone decides who will rise and who will fall. So when we please the Lord, thank you, Ben, for sowing a seed. I love you, buddy. Love you and Amy so much. You're a wonderful couple. When our ways please the Lord, guess what? Guess what takes place? He grabs a hold of us and lifts us higher than we've ever been. Because he's the only one that can bring the increase, the Lord himself. So I'm encouraging you, get ready to shout in May. I feel that in my spirit. Get ready to shout in May. Get ready to shout in May. Get ready to shout in May. Get ready to dance in May. Get ready to dance in May. Get ready to sing in May. Get ready to laugh in May. Get ready to shout in May. Why? Because there's blessing coming to us. There's increase coming to us. There's open doors coming to us. There's answered prayer coming to us. Get ready to shout in May. He's going to fill your mouth with laughter and fill your tongue with singing in May in the mighty name of Jesus. <speaking> Get ready to shout, says the Lord, because I'm going to fill your mouth with laughter and I'll fill your tongue with singing for I will open up the heavens in May and I will pour out blessing upon my faithful people and it'll be such a stark contrast to what's happening through the earth that I alone will get the glory, says the Lord. I alone will get the praise for what I'm about to do in the earth is something that will not be missed. It's something that will be seen by all and people will point their fingers and say, it is I, the Lord that have done it. They'll see it is me and me alone. And I will get the glory and I will take the honor and I will take the praise. And even the heathen will know that it was me who was moving, says the Lord. So prepare your heart And prepare your soul and prepare your mind for what I'm about to do. Seek my face and seek my presence. I will exalt you, says the Lord. I will lift you up with my mighty right hand and set you head and shoulders above the rest. For I have the power to lift up. I have the power to exalt you. My eyes are searching the earth for people that are faithful, whose hearts are turned toward me. In May, I will show myself strong and mighty on their behalf. Increase will be your story. Increase will be your story. Increase will be your story. And you will know that it is I, the Lord, that has brought you into this victory. And no man could do what I'm getting ready to do for you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I feel the anointing of God right now. He's getting ready to touch us. I'm in position. I hope you're in position to receive what the Holy Spirit's about to do. May is a month to shout. May is a month to dance. May is a month to sing and rejoice. Get a praise. Listen, dust your praise off. Get it off the shelf and get ready to rejoice because May is a month to rejoice. Hallelujah. May is a month to rejoice. And we're going to have our mouths filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. I tell you this, and you mark my words, just as quick as this thing hit the world and swept through the world, just as quick as it came, it will vanish. Just as quick as it came, it will vanish and people will act like it never happened. It will, it will go just as quick as it came. You watch and see. You watch and see. Just as quick as it swept in, it will sweep out. And there'll be people that'll act like it never happened and they'll try to minimize what they said in the past and they'll try to minimize what they did in the past. Just as quick as it blew in, it will blow out in Jesus name. The church is not destroyed and the church is not hurt and the church is not in trouble. The Bible says, "I." Christ himself said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I prophesied back last year in the fall that in 2020 that there was going to be a great shaking among even churches. You, you watch. I'll play it tomorrow night. I will play it tomorrow night. I prophesied this in West Virginia, Worthington, West Virginia. I prophesied that in 2020 there would be a great shaking in this nation. And things that looked like God was in, he was never in, and they would fall down. And things that he was truly in, he would raise up to a higher level. And I'm telling you, it's already happening right now. It's We haven't even hit halfway through the year, and it's already happening right now. Things that God was never in are being destroyed, and things that he is in are being exalted. And it will continue that way in Jesus' name. For the Lord himself said it. I didn't come up with it. You can't sit down and pre-plan a prophecy. That's called false prophecy. But the Lord said it to us that things that other people said he was in, that he was never in, will be torn down by the power of his spirit. And things that he truly was in will be exalted and lifted up. And I tell you, it's happening right now. It's happening right now. And it'll continue to happen for the Lord spoke it. And it's going to take place in 2020. I'll play the prophecy tomorrow night. I'll play it tomorrow night and you can hear it. Because God's doing it even right now. But for us, it's going to be victory. For us, it's going to be increase. Hallelujah. For us, it's going to be rejoicing. Let me give you this because I want to give you a good word about your children. Let me give you a good word about your children before we pray. And then I'm going to pray for every one of you. First Chronicles, go with me. Thank you, Jesus. I feel my I feel my faith is at another level. I pray yours is too. First Chronicles I want to encourage you because people even wonder what's going to happen to my children. Listen to 1 Chronicles 22. This is when David's son Solomon is getting ready to become king over Israel and they're getting ready to build the temple of God. David wanted to build it, but he couldn't. 1 Chronicles 22 Listen to verse 7. I'll start with verse 7 and go through verse 9. David said to Solomon, My son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, You have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name because you've shed so much blood before me on the earth. But behold, verse 9, A son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. Hallelujah. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. Do you see the difference? David fought and fought and fought and won and won and won. But notice this. That David fought and won so much that his children, Solomon, did not have to fight like he fought. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me just tell you, you're winning battles right now that your children will not have to win because generationally it's going to get greater and greater. And greater. My grandfather not only served the Lord, my grandmother, she's still alive, not only served the Lord, but were in the ministry for over 60 years, 60 years. I can assure you that they fought and won battles that my father never had to fight. Not the same ones, not the same way, and not on the same level. But my father, who's been in the ministry now for 40 plus years, he fought and won battles that I have not ever had to fight, never, never. And I'm fighting battles right now that my children will never have to fight because you can go from victory unto victory unto victory unto victory, from grace to grace, from favor to favor. And that's what happened. That's what happened with David. He fought and won so much. That notice this, his whole time being king, it was war after war after battle after battle. And God said, you fought and won so much that your son will have peace and quiet throughout his days. And I declare it in Jesus' name, my children will never have to fight the battles that I'm fighting. They'll never have to go through the same things. And I've been blessed. And my father's been blessed and my grandfather's been blessed. But let me tell you, we will not repeat the same trials. We'll not repeat the same battles. We'll not go through the same stuff. It'll be glory to glory to glory, victory to victory unto victory. And it'll be never-ending increase for your family and your children. Your children, listen, let me just say, I know you're thankful that you didn't have to suffer through what your parents suffered through. But let me encourage you, your children will not have to ever suffer through things that you suffered through. Even those of you that are watching me, that you weren't always saved like you're saved today. You came from somewhere. You had a past. You went through some things. But you ought to lift your hands right now and give God glory and praise that your kids will never have to go through the same crap that you went through in your life. They won't have to go through the same problems and issues. They won't have to go through the same fights. Maybe you went through life and had some hurts. Maybe you had some uh, things that let you down, some disappointments. Maybe you've been divorced. Maybe you've had issues in marriages, relationships. Maybe you've been divorced multiple times. Maybe you've had a loss in your life. Maybe you've had issues. Maybe you made choices that you never wanted to make and you ended up making them. And you went through hurt and problems. Maybe you were abused. Maybe thing you ha- had issues in your life. But let me tell you something. Though you may have come through those problems, your children will not suffer through those things in Jesus' name. Your, your children will not deal with the same issues that you had to deal with. God's brought you through them faithfully. You're stronger now than you've ever been. You're getting even stronger than you are now. But your children won't have to bounce back. Like you had to bounce back, but they will experience victory after victory after victory and favor after favor and blessing after blessing in the mighty name of Jesus. We can live by the power of God's word and go into never ending victory by the power of God. And that will be your story in Jesus name. That will be your story. I want you to declare it. It will be my story in Jesus name. It will be my story in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you believe it, I feel the anointing tonight. I'm telling you, God's going to anoint this week of broadcasts to put you on another level. Don't miss a night. I'm telling you, God's anointing these broadcasts to put you on another level. And he is putting you on another level. And he's touching your family right now. He's touching your loved ones right now. Hallelujah. And I'm going to pray. For every person that's watching me right now, the devil will not win, not even one small battle. We have never-ending victory in Jesus' name. It's in our hand because it's in the hand of Christ. He has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he's given us the key of David. When he opens a door, no one can shut it. And when he shuts a door, no one can open it. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for your people tonight. I love your people, Lord. I ask you to bless them, bless them so abundantly that people who are looking at them, their mouth just hangs agape, just looking at what you're doing in the lives of your people. Let it be a spectacle in Jesus' name. Let it be a spectacle in their neighborhood, a spectacle at their job, at their school, family reunion, wherever they go. I pray that you'll make them a spectacle. Bless them to such a degree. (laughs) Hallelujah. Bless them to such a degree that you're the only one that can get the honor for it and the praise and the glory for it. Something that men couldn't do. Something that the government couldn't do. That no stimulus check could do. Something that no family member could do. No corporation could get behind. Do it so largely, Lord, that you get all the glory in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm praying for those tonight that they maybe have gone through issues, problems, and the enemies try to lie to them and tell them that they're diminishing, that they're being destroyed, that things aren't going to look up, that they'll never get better. I rebuke that lie of the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. And we declare for God's people, things get better and better and better in Jesus' name. All things are possible to them that believe. And so we declare That the impossible becomes possible in May, in Jesus' name. The impossible becomes possible in the month of May. We declare it. It's our month to shout. It's our month to rejoice in Jesus' wonderful name. And Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for what you're doing among your people. Thank you that you're healing the sick. I thank you that that you're lifting a spirit of heaviness off of those that are broken in Jesus' mighty name. We give you praise, Lord. We give you glory in Jesus' wonderful name. And if you believe it, in the comments, all capital letters like a crazy ex-girlfriend, amen, it is so. Put it in the comments. Amen, it is so in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, it is so. That's it. That's it. Pop it in. It is so. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Listen, it blows my mind. People, I'm just telling you how much I love the people of God. I love you. Every time we come on, I feel the anointing, and I know God's taking you higher. And he is taking you higher. I love the testimonies that you're sending in. I appreciate it. Because it builds my faith along with yours. I love, listen, so many of you. It's like family. After a while, you just start to realize it's like family. And that's why I appreciate you. Because you've become like family. We're on all the time together. I see your name. I pray for you by name. I love you. So many of you. <laughs> people are making me laugh. So many of you. You're standing with us in partnership. I want to encourage you. For those of you that feel to sow. There's never any pressure on you. But let me tell you, there's been so many of you. That have been generous. You can see people's names scrolling on the bottom. People that have stood with this ministry. I see Ben and Amy that are on. He sowed tonight. They've sowed consistently. Joseph and Jessica. I see so many, Lynn Ann. I, I know there's all kinds. The McConnells, you know. I'm looking at the names too. Jordan and Josiah and Alyssa, Greg and Kathy, and I mean Suzanne and Larry. My father's on, my mother. So many people, so many people have been generous to sow. And thank you for standing with us. I want to encourage you to sow a seed of faith. See, one of the things that takes us into a miracle month that we're believing in May, and it will be, it's a month to laugh and shout the victory. It's a month to laugh and shout the victory. And we will dance all over the place as God blows his breath from heaven. But one of the things that's going to put us in position To take hold of a financial harvest in the month of May is the seeds we're sowing right now. What we're releasing right now. And I know many of you are already sowing on Cash App. I can always see the updates when they're hitting. People are using Venmo. I know some of you are sowing on PayPal, MiracleWord.com. Many of you that are on Periscope, Facebook, you can use hashtag donate in the comments. But let me just say this to you. As you're sowing seeds, and the Holy Spirit speaking to you about what to sow, know what's happening, that he's giving you that instruction, just like a GPS would if you were taking a drive. And when the GPS says to you, in 300 feet, turn right, it's not trying to manipulate you. The GPS, Google Maps, whatever you may use, it's giving you that instruction because it's going to give you the quickest route to the destination where you want to be. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's speaking to your heart right now and giving you an instruction about what to sow. Thank you, Brian and Nicole. Love you. Love Brian and Nicole. They've stood with us for years. He's not only a partner with this ministry, but he's on our board. I love that man. And understand something, that God, he gives us instructions because he wants to quickly take us to the blessings that he has prepared for our lives. And there is blessing prepared for you. And I'm going to tell you, if you're believing, I love you, Nicola. (laughs) Love you. Nicola's up in in Canada. And God's doing it for all of us around the world. We're going to see the blessing of God in the month of May. And we set ourselves in position. And when God speaks, He's taking us by instruction to the next blessing He's prepared. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. No heart has imagined the things that God has prepared and set aside for those that love Him. Thank you, Nicola. We love you so much. Appreciate you. No eye has seen it. No ear has heard it. No heart has imagined it. The things that God's getting ready to do for us, people will be like, I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, you've never seen it because no eye has seen it. No ears heard it. No heart's imagined it. God's doing it for His people. And you know, we've prayed and asked the Lord. Love you too, Joey. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Carolyn and I have been praying. And by the way, Carolyn's going to be on the broadcast in the morning with us. So you're not going to want to miss it at 1030 a.m. But as we keep praying, can I tell you God answers the prayers. God continues to bring partners in. And if you're, and here's what I'm asking you. Because there's obviously, I only ask people to do what the Holy Spirit's telling them to do. But as you pray and you feel this tugging on your heart, the Lord's speaking to you right now, those of you that are watching. And there's those that are watching that the Lord is speaking to you to become a partner with our ministry, with Carolyn and myself and the team as we're doing what God's called us to do. And if that is you, hear what I'm saying. If that is you that the Lord is speaking to you to be one of the answers to our prayers, to sow monthly and to stand with us in partnership You can go to miracleword.com and click on the partnership page. It says partner right at the top. Or if you're on the mobile device, you click the menu, you'll see partner. And one of the things we've prayed, we've said, Lord, connect us with people that believe for this world to be shaken with the power of the gospel before it's too late. Urgency is needed to understand times running out. The Bible says in John chapter nine and verse four that we've got to work the works of him who sent me while it's day for the night is coming where no man can work. The gospel's a limited time offer. And let me tell you, you're a blessing to this world. It's amazing that you get double blessings. You get to be blessed back with a harvest for sowing your seed, but you also, you get to be blessed by being a blessing to other people. Can you even imagine The number of people when we get to heaven, they're going to run up to you and say thank you and throw their arms around you. If it wasn't for your faithfulness, if you didn't stand in faithfulness, if you had not stood for the truth, if you'd not sown seed to push the gospel forward, I would not be in heaven today. Imagine that. You don't even know what's being laid up in heaven on your account because of your faithfulness. And so if you're feeling that in your spirit, And what we've prayed, our our prayer, just to let you know what our prayer point is, it is this, Lord, connect at least a 1,000 people with us that will sow $85 a month or more or $1,000 a year, believing God for souls to be saved and people to be changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Imagine it. And God's doing it. He's answering the prayers. He's answering the prayers. And you are an answer to our prayers. And I want to say we love you very, very much. That's why I encourage you to to connect uh, to us by text message because I want to hear from you also. I want to hear from you. I want to know what your prayer requests are. We pray for you weekly. I get your messages. I reply to you. I send you updates from me. Courage your faith. But I want you to hear me. If you'd like to text us as well, go to the website, miracleword.com forward slash text. Sign up, stay in contact. But I know that there's people right now that God is speaking to, to partner. And if that's you, we say thank you. By the way, you know what's happening. This month, we're sending you the wonderful book by Dr. Mark Hitchcock, The End. Complete overview to Bible prophecy, 500 plus pages of answers to your questions uh, for those that are standing with us at $100 or more in the month of April. And then of course, for every person that's partnering at a large amount. And I don't mind blessing people that are willing to step up and do something at a large level, $1,000 or more, we appreciate you. We had somebody else uh, talking to us today and said, you know, it does make a difference. It does make a difference. And it's true. It does make a difference. I believe that with all my heart, that there is a, uh, an anointing. And the Bible talks about it. Paul taught about it in the Corinthian, to the Corinthian church. He said there's an anointing of generosity that comes upon people. Speaking of spiritual gifts, an anointing of generosity that comes upon people. And I'm telling you, I thank God for people that are not ashamed to step up largely and sow seed largely. And so for those that are doing that and sowing $1,000 or more this month, we're not just going to send you the book, but also this genuine leather uh, life application study Bible in the New Living Translation. I love this study tool. And this is a, uh, a gift that we're going to send you for standing with us at that kind of a level. We love you. Um, no, I know cash apps only in the in the States, Connie, for some reason. they've not expanded that. but you can go to miracleword.com, Connie, and that that definitely works in Canada. no question. Wherever you are in the world, miracleword.com works. You can sow your seed from any nation of the world. We say a big thank you to everybody that's standing with us. I love you. It is a beautiful Bible. And let me tell you what else we're doing. Uh, for people that are sewing $1,000 or more, and this just happened today, they're, they're, they've they're been ordered. Um, the brand new book, Further Faster, that was just released, the hardcover editions were ordered in today from the printer and uh, will be coming to us. And all of those of you that have sown $1,000 or more to this point, I promised you when, it, when it, the book was available, you're going to get a hardcover edition special edition signed copy of Further Faster uh, that'll be coming to you. And they are limited. We're not selling them and we only have a limited amount of them, but they're coming to those of you that are standing with us. So um, you, you're liking it, Brandon? I like it too. I love it, man. I have it on my iPad, my phone. I love the the life application study notes. Just another way to go deeper in your Bible study. So it's it's a wonderful gift. And we love you guys very much and appreciate you. Tomorrow in the morning, Carolyn's going to be back with us on the broadcast. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Don't miss 1030 tomorrow morning. And then tomorrow night, back again at 9 o'clock. I love you guys so much. Let's leave shouting with one of my favorite preachers in the entire world who's going on to be with the Lord. I love you. I'll see you again in the morning. Have a great night. Excellent sleep. Thank you to everybody that's giving. We appreciate you. We're praying for you. Have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.